Welcome to Walker of Worlds podcast. My name's Rachel and this is a podcast where we step behind the veil to take a look at some long lost and little known urban legends and spooky stories. Foreign life forms, inventory, suspended state of cryogenics, selective amnesia is the story, believed foretold but who would suspect? Megadeth's Dave Mustaine once sang. The lyrics are from a song titled Hangar 18 from the band's 1990 album Rust in Peace. A sequel to the song Return to Hangar was featured on their 2001 album The World Needs a Hero. But what and where is Hangar 18? First we need to take a trip back to 1947. World War II had ended just a mere 18 months beforehand and the world was in the process of rebuilding and returning to normal life. Many countries, including America, were going through an economic boom, with urban sprawl becoming the norm, productivity continuing the growth they had seen during the war years, and the world witnessing the birth of the commuter class. Halfway through the year, the tiny town of Roswell, New Mexico, probably didn't think that they would ever make the newspapers. In 1947, Roswell was probably a pretty much nondescript little desert town. It is home to the New Mexico Military Institution, which was founded in 1891. The town itself was founded in 1865, a little under a century before the incident which would put Roswell's name on the map forever. In June of 1947, a craft is reported to have crashed in the county of Corona, New Mexico. The debris was discovered by W.W. Brazel on his ranch around 60 miles northwest of Roswell. As Corona was the closest town, he first went there on Saturday the 5th of July to report the strange foil that littered his land. Locals in a bar informed him of the flying saucers, and so Brazel Walt returned to his ranch, gathered up some of the debris, and paid Roswell Sheriff a visit. Sheriff George Wilcox called Roswell Army Airfield, who assigned the matter to Major Jesse Marcel and Captain Sheridan Cavett. Brazel took Marcel and Cavett to the debris site to gather more of the material. On Tuesday morning, July 8th, Marcel took the debris to the 509th Commander, Colonel William Blanchard. Blanchard reported the finding to General Roger Ramey at Fort Worth Army Airfield, which resulted in orders to fly the material out to Fort Worth that evening. By the end of the day, RAFF Public Information Officer Walter Hort issued a press release stating that the military had recovered a flying disc near Roswell. Robert Porter, an RAAF flight engineer, was part of the crew who loaded what he was told was a flying saucer onto the flight bound for Fort Worth. He described the material packaged in wrapping paper when he received it as lightweight and not too large to fit inside the trunk of a car. After station director George Walsh broke the news over Roswell radio station KSWS and relayed it to the Associated Press, his phone lines were overwhelmed. He later recalled, all afternoon I tried to call Sheriff Wilcox for more information, but could never get through to him. Media people called me from all over the world. When interviewed decades later, Lydia Sleppy, a teletype operator at KOAT station Albuquerque, New Mexico, claimed that she was typing a story about the wreckage as dictated by reporter Johnny McBoy until interrupted by an incoming messenger ordering her to end communications. The many rumours regarding the flying disc became a reality yesterday when the intelligence officer of the 509th Bomb Group of the 8th Air Force Roswell Army Airfield was fortunate enough to gain possession of a disc through the cooperation of one of the local ranchers and the sheriff's office of Chaves County. The flying object landed on a ranch near Roswell sometime last week. Not having phone facilities, the rancher stored the disc until such a time as he was able to contact the sheriff's office, who in turn notified Major Jesse A. Marcel of the 509th 
Bomb Group Intelligence Office, the Associated Press reported on July 8, 1947. As many people know, the official explanation for the Roswell crash was a downed weather balloon. Project Mogul, sometimes referred to as Operation Mogul, was a top-secret project by the U.S. Army Air Force involving microphones flown on high-altitude balloons whose primary purpose was long-distance detection of sound waves generated by Soviet atomic bomb tests. The project was carried out from 1947 until early 1949 and launched strings of several geometrically shaped balloons being launched at altitudes of between 11 and 23 miles above the Earth in order to listen to sound waves from Russia's atomic bombs. However, there are also many people who believe that what crashed in that remote space between Roswell and Corona was a flying saucer. And the parts of that flying saucer, including its occupants, had to go somewhere. Welcome to Hangar 18 at Wright-Patterson Air Force Base in Dayton, Ohio. Founded in 1917 and originally known as Wright Field, Wright-Patterson Air Force Base covers 8,100 acres and has two runways. It's currently occupied by the biggest air force on U.S. soil and is home to a lot of people, and I mean a lot. Around 31,000 people are employed by the base and 54,000 retirees use services offered by Wright-Patterson. According to a press release by the Roswell Army Airfield at the time, their personnel inspected the flying disc and sent it on to higher headquarters. A subsequent press release from an Air Force base in Fort Worth, Texas, which was assumed to be the aforementioned headquarters, claimed the disc was a weather balloon, a claim the Air Force acknowledged was untrue in 1994, admitting it had been testing a surveillance device designed to fly over nuclear research sites in the Soviet Union. But in addition to Fort Worth, many UFO researchers believe some of the materials from Roswell were also transported to Wright Field after the crash and stored in Hangar 18. This is based on unsubstantiated reports from former military pilots. One, Oliver Henderson, reportedly told his wife that he flew a plane loaded with debris along with several small alien bodies from Roswell to Wright Field. According to the children of another pilot, World War II ace Marion Black Mac Magruder, their father claimed to have seen a living alien at Wright Field in 1947 and told them it was a shameful thing that the military destroyed this creature by conducting tests on it. Senator Barry Goldwater of Arizona, the Republican nominee for president in 1964, was notoriously fascinated by UFOs in Hangar 18. Goldwater said publicly that he tried to gain access to the Blue Room in the early 1960s, but had been denied access by a furious General Curtis Lee May. Even after Project Blue Book wrapped up in 1969, rumours continued to swirl around Wright-Patterson. In 1974, a Florida ufologist named Robert Spencer Carr publicly claimed that the Air Force was hiding two flying saucers of unknown origin inside Wright-Patterson's Hangar 18. Kerr claimed to have a high-ranking military source who saw the bodies of 12 alien beings while autopsies were being performed on them. Though Carr's claims were dubious, widespread media coverage of them, as well as the release of the 1980 movie Hangar 18, helped cement the legend of Wright-Patterson as a hotbed of the government's UFO-related activities. For its part, the Air Force has categorically denied the rumours and maintains that there has never actually been a Hangar 18 anywhere anywhere on Wright-Patterson, though there is a Building 18. Periodically, it is stated that the remains of extraterrestrial visitors are or have been stored at Wright-Patterson Air Force Base, the Air Force said in an official statement issued in January 1985. There are not now, nor have there ever been, any extraterrestrial visitors or equipment on Wright-Patterson Air Force Base. Well, that's what those higher up than ourselves like to tell us.
However, Wright-Patterson was also home to the previously mentioned Project Blue Book. Project Blue Book was the code name for the systematic study of unidentified flying objects by the United States Air Force from March 1952 to its termination on December 17, 1962. Project Blue Book had two primary goals, namely to determine if UFOs were a threat to national security and to scientifically analyse any UFO-related data. By the time Project Blue Book ended, it had collected 12,618 UFO reports and concluded that most of them were misidentifications of natural phenomenon or conventional aircraft. According to the National Reconnaissance Office, a number of the reports could be explained by flights of the formerly secret reconnaissance planes U-2 and A-12. 701 reports were classified as unexplained even after stringent analysis. The UFO reports were archived and are available under the Freedom of Information Act, but names and other personal information of their or witnesses have been redacted. The stories and legends that came from Project Blue Book have spawned books, TV shows and movies. Governments, especially more recent months, have shown a strong interest in life outside of our own planet. And it would be extremely strange for us to be the only living creatures in such a large universe. So it's entirely possible that places such as Wright-Patterson, Area 51, Dulcie and the rest of the world's secretive bases may be harbouring craft and beings that are otherwise out of this world. The term Hangar 18 has been used multiple times including a music venue in Swansea, Wales, a climbing gym in Hawthorne, California, an automotive technician in Stockton-on-Tees in the UK, band, a movie, numerous books and of course by Megadeth themselves. This is one legend that will never die, at least in our lifetime. If you enjoyed this podcast, you may be interested to know that we have a book about Megadeth available. Skin of Our Teeth charts the stories of some of the band's fans and all that the music has done for them. You can find it on Amazon, in bookstores and on our website at www.roswellpublishing.co.uk. And until next time, keep watching the skies.